Okay, we are live on another edition of the Edlow Podcast. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Um, this is kind of an impromptu one that I just set up recently, and I'm really excited about this. I have two wonderful missionaries. Now, when you think about Mormon missionaries, you probably think about two guys riding bikes, white shirts, and ties. But that is not what I have here. I have sister missionaries. I have Sister Nuttle and Sister Taylor. Hello, sisters. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Okay, so um, first of all, I, I like I said, most of my unless you've the listener who's listening to this has had some, uh, I guess, experience with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. I, I would get venture guess most people have no idea that there even are women who go on missions. Do you see that in your when you go out and you proselyte? Yeah. What is the the general, um, what is the general experience you have when someone first meets you? Um, Either they think that we're Jehovah's Witnesses and trying to force something on them, or they just, they're confused and they listen to us for a little bit, but then reject us. But most of the time they don't realize that they're sister missionaries for the Church of Jesus Christ, so. Yeah. So do you find that uh, people are um, are s- kind of pleasantly surprised or do you think that uh, how, how does that work? Yeah, most of the time they're pleasantly surprised. Sometimes they, they don't care either way if we're girls or boys. <laughs> right. So, it, you know, it's interesting because I went on a mission many, many moons ago. And when I went on a mission, we had sister missionaries, but they were kind of far and few between. I mean, I, uh, I served as a zone leader. Um, and for those who aren't members of the church, that means I was kind of a, a missionary that kind of ran a certain section of the mission um, in conjunction with the mission president, who's generally, uh, an, you know, an older man and his wife. And, uh, and there was probably maybe one set of sisters in each zone um, because it just it was kind of rare. That was back at the time when sisters went at the age of 21. Now they can go as early as 19, right? Yeah. So um, tell me, how many sister missionaries are are there in your mission? Um, I think just like around probably like 30. Yeah, 30. 30. Okay. And how many, I mean, like does each zone tend to have a couple sets of sisters or a few? How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's normally two sets of sisters, if not one. Oh, really? Okay. So it sounds like it's still kind of rare. Mm-hmm. How many, do you know how many missionaries there are total in your mission? Yeah, there's 120. 100, that's it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of got, got a little smaller. Wow. Okay, well, let's, so because it's more rare than, how, do you guys, so Sister Nuttall, where are you from? I'm from San Antonio, Texas. Okay, and Sister Taylor, you're from where? Idaho Falls, Idaho. Okay, so um, when you were going on your missions, what was the reaction to your family and then just the members of the church around you? All very happy. <laughs> All yeah. There's, it's pretty rare for, um, at least where I live, for any sisters to go out at all. 
Um, mm -hmm. I was the first sister in like, I think four or five years that went on a mission in my ward. So. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And Sister Taylor, I got to imagine being in Idaho Falls, I know the church, the church is a little bit more, uh, I guess, involved or there's a larger membership out there. So probably more sisters went out in your area, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind yeah. of a normal thing. So tell me, sisters, um, tell me a little bit about, about your background. So um, uh, where are you, like, tell me about your families, where, where are your families from? you know, where are you at in the birth order, all that stuff. Okay. Um, well, I'm the middle child and the only girl. I have an older brother and a younger brother. Um, my older brother, he's 23. My younger brother is 17. Um, and then, of course, I have mom and a dad. Um, mm -hmm. My parents are both from Utah. Um, mm -hmm. I've moved around my entire life, so I'm not really originally from, from anywhere. But I've lived in Texas uh, the longest out of all the states I've lived in. So, Is that because is your dad military or like a traveling engineer or something? No, it's kind of surprising. He, uh, he just works for the finance department at medical schools. He's at mm. UT Health right now. He's uh, in the finance department. I don't remember the name of his position, though. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. And so he moves around quite a bit. What other... What are um cities have you lived in um so i guess just to start from the beginning i was born in new jersey and then we moved to another town in new jersey then there was uh new mexico arizona florida arkansas and then texas wow interesting so now most of those places i would gather the the church is not um I guess, particularly strong in a lot of those areas. No, not a lot of members. Yeah. So uh, what's the farthest you ever had to drive to get to church? Um, probably just like 15 minutes. We usually lived pretty close to a church. Uh, my family tried to get us uh, close to a school, good schools and churches. So not too far, but I think the furthest we've ever lived was like 15 minutes. Oh, okay. The reason I ask is I, I served my mission in Indiana and here in California, the church is actually pretty, you know, it's pretty strong. There's a lot of members uh, and there were not in Indiana. There wasn't a temple in the state. Um, there were seven stakes total in, in the state. And so, I mean, there were some wards that I lived in that, you know, some members had to drive 30 to 40 minutes to get to church. And so, uh, in fact, I had my first, my first area was a branch of 30 people I mean, really small, right in the heart of the the ghetto of Indianapolis. So it was uh, it was definitely a culture shock for me. Um, coming out here, was it more of a culture shock for you? Not really. I mean, I when it comes to like seeing all the members and how many people are at the church, it's definitely like, oh, it's a big ward, but uh, not too much of a culture shock since I I did move around a lot, so I've gone kind of gotten to know a lot of different kind of cultures when it comes to just the world and the church and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. And then sister Taylor, how about you? Were you, were you born and raised in Idaho Falls? Well, technically I was born in Utah, but it was a whole situation, but I yeah, <laughs> just through that. Yes. Yeah, Idaho was lived in Idaho. But. Okay. All right. Did, did your parents expect you to go on missions or uh, was this something you'd always planned on? Tell me your story of, of how you decided to go. 
my parents, they didn't expect it. it. They were just supportive of whatever I chose to do, whether it was to go to school or go on a mission. But I wanted to go on a mission for quite a long time. Ever since, like, my uncle, he served a mission and would, like, write me letters while he was away. So I was like, that's kind of cool. And then I, my brother served missions and and then, like, going through, like, hard times in life and realizing that I couldn't have made it through without, like, the knowledge I have of, of my father in Jesus Christ. It would have been really hard. And mm. that's just, like, something I wanted to help other people know what they can do, too. Where are you at in the um, in the birth order? I'm the youngest. Oh, okay. You're the youngest. And how many kids? I have two older brothers. Oh, okay. All right. And then you, you kind of mentioned hard times. Uh, you don't have to talk about it, but if you, is it, was there something specific that you were going through or if you just don't want to talk about that? Oh, doesn't matter. There's like a few things that were a little hard, just struggles, but I, I had a lot of like injuries that made it so I couldn't do different sport activities, which was big in the time, but now it's like, it's okay. <laughs> it wasn't going oh, to yeah. grow, but it was, it was just hard not being able to do that and then other things happening too. Mm. You know, it's funny too, when you go through trials like that, you, uh, I know, you know, I know exactly what you're, what you're talking about. There are things that seem like such a big deal at the moment and can be a real, real struggle. And then you look back five, 10 years later and you go, you know, it really wasn't that big of a deal. And, uh, comparatively to what I'm going with, going through now or what I've been dealing with, um, it was a drop in the bucket. And so to, to, specifically with the injuries, tell me how your, um, how your testimony um, kind of helped you through that. So I think, I think the biggest one was, and it was like, I was in doing track at the time and the year before I wasn't able to finish the season cause I had shin splints. And then this year I had gotten bronchitis but I still continued to run, which isn't the greatest idea. And so we went to a whole bunch of doctors trying to figure out things. And after I had bronchitis, it was hard to, harder to breathe, and I couldn't, like, pass breathing test. And mm. so, like, we still don't know exactly what, what, what went wrong, but I trust that someday maybe, maybe in the next life it will be gone. But I'll be able to run, mm. run good again. Mm. Mm. And are you, so when you say that, you mean there's, do you have something going on that it's hard, even now it's hard for you to run? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh. yeah. I can't pass the breathing test for some reason, but the doctors don't know why. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. And so, um, okay. So, so you kind of, you always wanted to go on a mission, right? Mm-hmm. Sister Nettle, what about you? Did you, did you also always want to go or was did something happen to make you want to go um kind of both I wanted to go when I was younger and but that kind of faded away when I was around like 14 ish um but then my passion to want to go kind of came back around like 19 years old Hmm. and can you give us an idea of what it was that that spurred that yeah um so at the time, I had a friend who was also wanting to go on a mission, and I hadn't really thought about it. I mean, I had, but I was kind of in my mind, I was like, I'm definitely not going to go on a mission because why, why would I spend a year and a half doing something that will probably be really hard? Um, but 
when he was like, yeah, I'm going to go on a mission, I was just like, okay, well, I don't want to just be here alone. So I just started filling out papers just to kind of copy him and not be here without him. And then uh, he and actually his family left the church. And uh, yeah. And then I had two other friends leave the church uh, within the next couple months. And so I was kind of just spiraling with my testimony and everything. And I had filled out the mission papers, but I didn't turn them in yet. Um, I kind of, I didn't necessarily become inactive, but I think it was close to that point. Mm. And my, uh, there was general conference and my parents just keep trying to, kept trying to um, bring me to church and I would go once in a while. And then there was just a general conference where they were talking about how they need missionaries and that if you are of the age that you should go and, that kind of just sparked my interest back and being able to feel the spirit at church again helped. And so that kind of made me want to go just because they were asking for some and because my testimony was just kind of in the gutter. So I knew that if I went on a mission, it would spark back up. Interesting. So when you're go when you're listening to the, do you remember, was there a specific talk at that general conference? Um, there was, but I can't remember the name of it or the speaker. Okay. So, but you listened to that talk and tell me, tell me what you were feeling at that time. Um, well, I was in my mind, I was just like kind of brushing it off, but I was, I kept hearing like missions and if you're of the age you should go and just sisters, we especially need you. Just all those things I was hearing. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, no. I was just trying to get that out of my head, like brush it off, but they kept saying it. And there were other speakers who would say it once in a while. And so I was like, just the spirit was like saying like, you gotta go, <laughs> you know, we thought you need to go. So I kind of just, I sat there just like, dang <laughs> for a second. Cause I didn't want to, but I knew that I should. And so I was kind of feeling a little bit of like disappointment, but it was also like, I gotta get myself back on track. So yeah, interesting. So, so walk me through how, this process between your your friend who was going to go on his mission and then leaving. Did he actually go out and then leave the church, or did he he leave before he went? He uh, filled out his papers, but never turned them in because he left. Okay, and you said his whole family left. Yeah, okay. yeah, they uh, okay. the whole process of them leaving actually kind of started with um, their oldest out on a mission and mm-hmm. there was uh, a random person who said something to their son that made him kind of doubt his testimony. And um, the parents kind of, uh, he, when he asked the parents, uh, they started Googling things instead of uh, looking up the answers in scriptures or asking church leaders, they were Googling and that kind of put them down a rabbit hole of a lot of false things and really just bad things. And that's what kind of sparked them just like hating the church. And so they just kind of all followed the parents and they all ended up leaving. Yeah. So let let me, let me ask you a little bit about, about this. So I'm imagining, I mean, it seems, sounds like this is a pretty close friend, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. So this friend uh, I'm imagining that you had some pretty serious conversations with this friend about these things that he was learning. Mm Mm-hmm. And he probably showed you some of that stuff, right? Yeah, there's a, uh, yeah. And I'm his, uh, his mom still to this day after like, I think 
six or seven months after leaving, she's still posting a lot of anti-stuff on social media. Mm. Mm. So you're seeing all this. And, and I want to, uh, the reason I, I ask is because you and your friend essentially saw the same stuff, right? I mean, you saw the same things, but he chose to leave and you chose your faith. What do you think was different about your experience that made you choose faith? I mean, cause, cause that's a huge difference, right? Like you're both going to go on a mission. He is not going to church anymore. You're on a mission. I mean, not only are you all in at the church, but now you are all your time, all your talents, you're paying your own way to come and do this. Cause it's, you know, you're not getting paid to do what you're doing. What do you think it was that, that, made you choose faith over doubt um i kind of had a strong testimony um before any of that stuff happened um especially with like joseph smith and just uh little things that uh, i gained a testimony of by going to girls camp in efy and um it kind of just i'm kind of a stubborn person that when i know something or when i love something i stick to it and even though in my mind there were some doubts and I was not feeling great about it, I was just like, I've grown up in the church. I know most of the stuff is true. And I, I just, I can't leave what I know. And I can't leave what feels like home because it just felt like home whenever I went to church. Hmm. And, and tell me what you mean by that. What do you mean by it felt like home? Um, It just, even if it wasn't people that I always knew or people that I grew up with, it was always a family thing that I did. It was always with my parents and I had just, I'd learned all this stuff from when I was younger and all the music and every, all the teachings I just already knew. And it's hard to deny something that you've been taught all your life. And even if you've seen a couple of anti things or heard some things, you know, they're not true. So it can't shake your testimony too much if you just, I've grown up with that and grown up with parents who really help you get that in your head. Yeah. And have you seen, you've been out a whopping four months. So you're, you're old hat now at this, you, <laughs> you, you obviously know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me, uh, have you seen that? Have you seen your testimony grow? Yes, very much so. Yeah. Okay. So uh, perhaps, and we'll, we'll start with sister Taylor on this question when you go and you knock on someone's door or you meet somebody for the first time, if they were to have a question about how they can develop this, what we call testimony, meaning a belief in what you're teaching, what are some things that you would recommend? Well, there's like, there's three things, I guess is for sure. Going to church, church is always a good place to learn and be around people who have, have beliefs that are good and, and can help you grow your own testimony. And then praying, praying helps a lot. And then reading the scriptures. Mm, okay. Mormon and Bible. Awesome. And how about you, Sister Nuttall? What do you think? Kind of just the same thing as her, just uh, going to church and uh, you have to read the, you have to read the Book of Mormon and Bible and pray because without doing those two, you're kind of just, using a couple hours of on Sunday to just go somewhere where you don't really seem to care to go. Cause if you're not doing the steps 
of reading the scriptures and praying, then you don't necessarily have a testimony. You have to do your own work to be able to uh, feel that uh, the spirit and feel uh, that it's right for you. You can't just go to church. Sure. And what do you mean by work? Like, what are some things you mean? You're not talking like digging ditches, right? So what what do you mean? What do you mean by work? Like just reading scriptures or uh, what, do you, what do you mean? Kind of just like doing your part because Heavenly Father or God is going to help you with your testimony. He's going to help you and guide you throughout your whole life. All you need to do is your part in kind of like if you're going to take a test. All you need to do is study for a little bit it's nothing it's not like you're gonna be graded on it it's not like you're going to uh spend the rest of your life trying to keep studying you just have to do a little bit at a time and that's kind of like your part Mm. um so sister taylor tell me you know i know so when i went on my mission i my mission story was a little different i had no desire to go on a mission at all. My desire was to become a professional wrestler and I was on my way uh, to doing it. And then uh, I had a, I, w- I had a friend as well who uh, told me that she was never going to marry anyone who didn't go on a mission. And so I was like, well, then I guess I better go on a mission. So I, uh, so I jumped on and, uh, but I had to leave some things behind. I mean, that was, you know, I was on my way to becoming, you know, a, I felt coming on my way to becoming a WWE wrestler and doing all that stuff. And, you know, uh, and, and two years away, I mean, two years away from that seemed like a lot. Um, I got to imagine there are things that you guys had to put on hold to go on your mission. So sister Taylor, perhaps you can tell us like what your plans or goals were that you kind of had to put on hold to, to come out here and do this. Yeah, I guess nothing too crazy. Just going to start skirts start school and start uh, working towards a career. Did you have something in mind that you wanted to do? I did, but now it has changed. So Ah. I don't know for sure, but something in the medical field, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. So wait, that's what, is that what you want to do now? Or is that what you would want to do then? Before I wanted to do like occupational therapy. Oh, interesting. So, what what made you? Is there something out here that made you change? Just like talking to some some members of the church about it, and like just I want to like help people in some way. I mean, I don't know. So I know occupational therapy is a great way to help people, but it just doesn't feel right anymore. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, the reason I bring that up is because I, you know, I went on my mission and I ended up serving. Uh, about seven months in South Bend on Notre Dame campus. And there were a ton of members of the church who were going to the Notre Dame law school. And I had some really great discussions with them. And I chose instead, I was like, you know, instead of getting hit in the head with chairs, maybe I should probably go and do some schooling. And now, now I'm a lawyer. And, uh, and if I hadn't gone on the mission, I don't know if I would have gone down that same path. And so it's interesting how, going out and meeting people and talking with members can really change your trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, what about you, sister Nuttle? What, what was your, what are you putting on hold? What were your plans if you didn't do this? Um, I, I was going to school before for about a year and a half before I, um, I was majoring in biology and sign language interpretation. Um, mm-hmm. 
And before I came on a mission, I was, or before I decided I was wanting to try and get a certificate to be an EMT. And um, I was just kind of wanting to do something more with my life um, before I decided to go on a mission. And when I decided, I was a little bit like, oh, I gotta, I can't do this yet. I'm gonna have to wait a whole year and a half. But um, I, I think missions are a great way to like kind of clear your mind and know exactly what you want to do. Because I think if I started that then, I would not have been ready for that kind of thing. Um, but I, I definitely want to keep studying biology and sign language interpretation as well as getting a certificate to be an EMT. Sure. Well, okay. So that's, that's a good segue into kind of what I also want to talk to you guys about. And that is that I don't think, you know, I've looked at, at my life and I don't, there were not more seminal, like transitional, or I guess, uh, more important years of my life than the two years I went on a mission. I just learned so much and I don't know of any other place, maybe, maybe military. I just don't know where else you could get some of the lessons you learn on a mission. I mean, so, so let's talk a little bit about mission life. Talk about you guys are together 24 seven, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that can be fun with the right person. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, so, so let's talk about, you know, mission life. I mean, I don't think people understand you're, you're literally with an eyesight short of, you know, showering and bathroom, like you're, you're with an eyesight 24 seven for six weeks or three months, even more sometimes. Right. So, so, so walk us through like a, what mission life is like for you guys. Oh no, it's kind of crazy sometimes, but there's there's some rules that are standards, I guess, we're expected to follow, like being with inside of a companion, unless we're like in, in interviews with our mission president, or we get to talk to our family once a week, so that's good, or like you said, showering, <laughs> but yeah, that's just little things, but it's mostly just to keep us unified and, and on the same page. And then we like wake up at six thirty, and and then lights are out. Out or at, is that ten thirty? Yeah, so. man. And and uh, so your day, I, I gotta imagine your mission life is very similar to mine, and that your day is incredibly structured, right? <laughs> so walk us through like a typical day for Sister Nuttle and Sister Taylor. Okay. Um. So like she said, waking up at six thirty, and uh, then. We have about like an hour and a half or so to just get ready and kind of just get going for the day to be able to be in the right mindset and just be awake <laughs> um, for the day. And we normally do our studies uh, around like 8.30. We plan our day. We do personal study and companion study. Um, and we would, if we had lessons that day, then we would go to our lessons uh, or we would uh, normally go out and find, just uh, go out in public or do some door knocking. And uh, it's been pretty successful lately for us. But, um, yeah. I've seen, I've seen you bring it, you're bringing people to church every week. Yeah. <laughs> that's really great. Well, you know, that's the thing that was always so frustrating for me, you know, because uh, when I was in leadership, I, I used to tell everybody because it, like I said, sister missionaries were really rare. And in my 
mission. I, I believe it is so different now. Sister missionaries now are so even, even stronger than the sister missionaries in, in my era, because I think that, I think the 19 versus 21 year old thing probably had a lot to do with it. And I think that also your generation is just so much more prepared for missions than mine was. There were a lot of crazy missionaries when I was, I'm sure there still are, but I mean, like there, there were a lot of crazy missionaries when I was, I was doing that. But the sisters, it was like, if you had a good sister missionary, they out baptized the elders two to one. I mean, they were like, so they were just, I don't know if they were just less threatening or it was just, they were nice. They smiled. They all biked. Do you guys bike or do you guys have the cars? Uh, we did bike, uh, for about six weeks, but now we have a car. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The sisters all biked in ours and I just thought that was fascinating bicycling in a, in a dress. So I, I couldn't imagine it, but, um, so, uh, yeah, you, you got, and it's same thing here. Like all we've had great sets of missionaries that have come through our ward, but you guys like hit the ground running. Um, what do you think it is that that is sparring this success other than, you know, your sisters and sisters are better than elders? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's a couple of different things that can uh, make it so that you just have a successful um, area is, first of all, just the ward. Oh, the ward is a huge part of it, just uh, with whoever we bring to church or whoever we bring to activities and just have lessons with if the ward is super welcoming and kind and will come with us to lessons and be very talkative and engaging in the lesson that definitely is very helpful and um another thing is uh a thing that we say is obedience brings blessings but exact obedience brings miracles and mm. the standards that she was talking about if we are exactly obedient not always going to be perfect with it, but if we try our best to be exactly obedient with all the standards, then we are going to see miracles. And we've seen lots of miracles lately. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say exact obedience, give, give us a flavor. Cause like I said, there's a lot of people who are listening to this who are not members of the church. Right. So they don't know what you mean. Like they're like, yeah, you got to get up at six 30 and you got to look at this person every day. But like, what are some of the other things that you guys have to do that, uh, that is not, your normal, typical 19 year old female things to do? So I guess one of the, the bigger ones that are, is different than most people our age is, is if we're on our phones, we have to be in the same room as each other. We have to be able to see each other's screens. And then only one of us gets a SIM card. And so we have to like have, they say four eyes on one screen or we have to be looking at each other's screen as we send messages just to make sure it's, what we both want to say to these people that we're messaging. Wow. So that's one of the bigger differences I'd say. Yeah. We, so yeah, I went, we didn't have, this is going to age me, but we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have emails or any of that stuff. So like, I couldn't even imagine. I, I couldn't imagine doing, <laughs> thinking about all the trouble that some of the missionaries I knew got into. I could not imagine them having cell phones. <laughs> like it would have been, there would have been some really, really funny, but really weird stories coming out of that. So, um, so that's one. Talk to me a little bit about like some of the, I think one of the things that's so interesting about a mission, having served one, is no TV, no, no radio, 
no, I mean, you're not allowed to be within arm's length of someone of the opposite sex, so no dating, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's no, you know, you're not supposed to really be having any, like, yeah, I mean, you're, there's no, I guess, no outside media, really? Is that, that's still the same, right? Kind of. Um, we're allowed to have Facebook to do kind of like a mm. uh, Facebook finding, as we call it. Um, sure. So, but with that, we uh, we can't follow anyone except for church accounts. Um, and we uh, can only post about like, um, I mean, we can post about like birthdays and stuff like that, but we normally only post about like church related things and we can't like scroll on Facebook. We kind of have to just be on there for a specific purpose and then get off. Mm, I see. Okay. So, um, man, that's, that's pretty hardcore. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, you have to be right. Because like you said, I mean, there's, there can be a lot of things that can get in the way that I think what's important for people to know when you're on a mission is that you, your mission, you are 24 seven, a representative of Jesus Christ, right? Those name tags you're wearing right there, say, you know, say his name on them. So um, your focus is 100% of the time on spiritual things. And, you know, it's hard to do that when you're scrolling through and watching recent things, whoever Nicki Minaj or whoever did, uh, it's not going to make it, you know, that's not going to help so much. So, so when you say exact obedience, uh, what do you mean by that? Either yeah. one of you. Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> just following the rules like, that, that yeah. they're told to us. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. There's, I mean, there's a lot of like little, little things that a lot of missionaries see. There's no, like no reason to follow it or it's dumb or something like that. Uh, like having to um, announce what app you're going on. If you're uh, going on your phone or, having to um, be in sight and sound of your companion, just little things like that that don't seem like a big deal. If you follow exactly those, then there will be miracles. And it's it's been proven we've seen miracles as exactly obedient. Yeah. So, so tell me, what do you think? Uh, give me an example of a miracle that you think has come due to exact obedience. Um, I guess just, um, in this area, um, she was not here yet. I had a different companion, but, um, with our, uh, one of our newest members, Catherine, um, yeah. she just, she was super ready and super, um, excited to learn and hear about the gospel. And mm -hmm. she was, she got baptized, um, in a month just because of how ready she was. And I don't think missionaries who were not exactly obedient or who were not really caring about the rules as much would have been blessed with her. Mm. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I used to tell a story that I heard my mission president share at a zone conference because there was one missionary in our mission who was definitely not anywhere near exactly obedient, but he was incredibly charismatic. Um, and uh, uh, he, at one point in his mission, one area for whatever reason, in our mission, the goal was to get one baptism a month. 
and that I mean every mission's different, but that was if you could do that, you were doing you were really successful. It was hard, you know. You go to somewhere in South America and you have like forty a week, you know. But but here in Indiana, it was hard. But he had I think one month he had seven or eight baptisms in a month, and uh, and so you know he he was sitting with the mission president, and then he said to the mission president, he goes, "Well, obviously my obedience has nothing to do." with the baptisms because look i had eight baptisms and he said something that i it was very profound he said there are some of those there are some members out there or some some people out there who are just ready and it doesn't matter who it is it doesn't matter what you know what you do they were ready to hear the gospel and they're going to get baptized no matter who it is but there are also those people who you have a specific talent. You were specifically put there to teach. And if you are obedient, you can have an effect on them. And if they're going to get, whether, you know, on their spiritual journey or not. And, uh, and that really stuck with me because I remember thinking I had a, uh, my, my first baptism on my mission, my first area, like I said, 30, 30 members, uh, we met on the third story of an office building. Most of them were brand, brand new um, in the last year or two. They had to bring in other priesthood from other wards because there just wasn't enough to, to keep it going. And we hadn't, when I got there, I mean, we we're talking like it was the ghettoist area of Indianapolis. And I remember asking my companion, I was like, so how often do you baptize here? And he's like, there hasn't been a baptism in this uh, area for five years. And he goes, well, I take that back. We had a baptism two months ago, but he got arrested and put in juvenile hall before we could confirm him. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so we went about three months knocking on doors because there just weren't any referrals. There weren't any members to give them to us. So we were just knocking on doors every single day for three months with very, 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 very little. Um, uh, very little success. And finally, on the last day we were together, we fasted all day and knocked on doors all day. And we ran into George and Marcia Fisher and my companion got transferred out and I stayed for another four and a half months. And my first Christmas Eve, they, they were both in their seventies and they got baptized on Christmas Eve. And they were the first baptisms in five years and like pretty good Christmas. You know what I mean? Um, and so I firmly believe that what you're saying is true, that exact obedience to mission rules, uh, even if they do seem silly. Like I always felt so silly with the backing the car rule, you know, if you guys still have that. Uh, I'm sure you do. Um, but uh, for those who, don't, who haven't been on missions, one of the, the, the companion who's not driving is supposed to stand behind the car and lead them out so they don't ding anything, which in the age of backup cameras, I think is a little overkill, but you still have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, uh, now the, okay. I have to also address, I have a bone to pick with you guys though. This, 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 this calling your, your, your parents every week thing. Okay. Now I, I only got two a year. Okay. I had mother's day and Christmas. Do you think, and, and I have thought about this a lot. First of all, when it first happened, I was telling the elders, I was like, you guys are weak. You guys are weak sauce. <laughs> have to call your mommies every week. But like, but I, I, I wonder, 
do you think that that is help more helpful for you being able to talk for, talk it uh, to your parents? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Like wh- why, why is that? Um, it, let me, let me, let me back it up because I just wonder in my time, if that would have been harder for me to be like seeing them every day, every week, talking to them about the things that are going on at home, um, if that would make it harder than just getting a letter every, every once in a while. So tell me, do you think it makes it easier? Um, for me, it does. Uh, I did not live without my parents before my mission. Uh-huh. So I think it kind of depends on the missionary, but for me, it's just being able to um, feel, I mean, I get support from my companion. I get support from other missionaries throughout my mission. So that helps. But knowing that I just also have support at home and I get to see and feel it every week. It definitely helps me be able to just keep going and know that even when I'm done with my mission that I'll still have love and support. So I feel like just for me, it's, it's just all about being able to uh, feel and see that I'm still being missed. (laughs) I'm still uh, loved at home and they're not having too much fun without me. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. How about you, Sister Taylor? Do you think it's helpful? Yeah, for sure. I, I'm more of a homebody, I guess. I love being home, and so I just don't know if I'd make it too long out here, especially I've had some harder companions, and just knowing I can talk to my parents on Monday is what helped me get through some weeks with someone yeah. to talk to that knows me. That's interesting. So do, so when you say you had harder companions, do you feel like – because I know – in my mission, there were some missionaries who, for whatever reason, the mission president just trusted with certain companions that maybe had mental health issues or struggled. Or are you kind of? Do you feel like you're doomed to be that person? Or yeah. not a comment? Not a comment on Sister Nuttle at all, by the way. We're not saying. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure this is a break for you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but but is that kind of so so. Uh, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask it. I'm gonna ask. How should I ask this question? I'm gonna ask anyway. Okay, what's what's the like the funniest, craziest thing that one of your companions has ever done? Mm-hmm. You can. It's okay to say no comment if you want to. I'm not gonna push. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think the only thing that was I don't know. Just some things. I guess I, I grew up with brothers, so I'm not used to. Like a girl, I guess. <laughs> Not her. She's great, but like the companion that had hard time or a little bit more moodier. <laughs> so I'm just not sure how to handle it. But it's nothing, nothing too crazy, I guess. Oh, you know, I didn't even think about that. I have two daughters that are teenagers, and having to be around them 24 hours a day. <laughs> yeah, that would be tough. So, so what about you, Sister Nola? You, you've you've had generally pretty good. You've only been out four months, so you've uh, you've only had like two, right? So, so you you feel like your experience has been pretty good so far? Uh, yeah, it's definitely been pretty good. I I mean, I can't really say that I've had any hard companions because I've only had two, and they were not hard to deal with. <laughs> but um, the I think it depends on the area and just uh, the ward. But I I feel like um. The, just the craziest thing, kind of like she said, I grew up with brothers, so there'd be some sisters who would, like, want to borrow clothes or want to just uh, borrow little things, and I'm like, that's kind of weird. Like, I don't <laughs> want you wearing my 
Um, but <laughs> <laughs> <it's> too crazy. <laughs> I, I think that that's, that's the thing that's so interesting about being on a mission is that even though, like I have, I had one, I had a couple of companions where I'm convinced I could have served the entire two years with them and been totally fine. But even then you'd have moments where you're like, I'm going to kill this person. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I just, if I have to look at your face for five more minutes, I'm going to lose my mind. I mean, like, you know, it's just because you're there, it's 24 seven. You can't be around anybody that long without losing it every now and again but that learns patience right so um now let's just shift gears to something a little more spiritual and let's talk about what's the one thing you think that like if your mission ended today what would be the one thing that you think you would take home with you as the best lesson learned (laughs) I think that this the church changes people's lives, and because I've seen it so many times that people like struggle hard with, like either it's like mental health issues or like addictions or anything, that once they start learning more about the church and learn to turn to God in those times, that it can bless their life in ways you can't imagine, and also that prayer works, like in the hardest times that prayers, thing you can turn to and and eventually it will help you get out of it. Wow. Yeah. How about you, Sister Nettle? Um, I think, uh, echoing her a little bit, that prayer definitely works. Um, it's probably easier to say that as a missionary just because we do it so often. Um, yeah. but prayer definitely works. And I think just um, patience and um, it's just easier to be kind once you've had to deal with a lot of stuff that you never thought you'd have to deal with. So just, I would definitely be able to just be more kind and patient and knowing that prayer works is definitely a huge thing. Um, but just those little things that would probably make life a lot easier. Mm, yeah. Uh, Sister Taylor, I'm sure Sister Nettle, you haven't done this yet, but Sister Taylor, have you trained a new missionary before? Yeah. Yeah. How was that experience for you? Well, it's kind of an interesting one because it was a weird transfer because my companion was going home three weeks early for a family re- family reunion, and so they put me in a trio with the trainee, like the new missionary, for the last mm. weeks of the transfer. But it was really good. She was already like pretty pretty ready to start teaching and, and work. So. Oh, nice! Yeah, I did that four times. I trained four new missionaries. I trained one while I was a zone leader. And I always found that to be the hardest but most rewarding experience because, uh, I mean, I had I had a, some some interesting ones, but like, but uh, the the good ones uh, to watch their testimony grow and watch them develop into great missionaries was really exciting. And then to see them later on down the road, like one of my proudest moments was when when one of my trainees ended up training somebody else and seeing kind of like a I guess like a posterity situation of you know seeing all of these people you know seeing him go out there and and do that and he I still talk to him he's a great guy he's a chiropractor I won't hold that against him but um but like yeah they they're uh so so it's really fun Well, well tell me now um what would you want if you were gonna if somebody's listening to this podcast and then they tomorrow 
a set of missionaries knocks on the door, what, what would you want those people to know about those missionaries who they're answering the door for? Uh, I guess just the first thing is just to hear them out, just to not shut them down just because they look a little bit weird or because they have a tag, just to know that even if you're not super interested at in that moment, just to hear them out because they do have an incredibly important message that could possibly change your life for the better. So I just would say just hear them out and maybe even just let them share a scripture with you. Just something little like that. Mm. Yeah. What do you think, Sister Taylor? Yeah, I just like she said, hear them out and, and realize that we're young. We're not too old. We don't have too much life experience. But just mm. to hear them out and give them a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think what it's what's important for people to remember <clears throat> is that nobody's ever going to force you to to come to church or get baptized. They're not going to bother you if you ever. I, I used to tell people all the time, like, look, you don't want me to come back, you just say so, and I won't come back. You know, um, I think that they've had they've had experiences with people from other churches who are kind of pushy, and so they don't. They're like worried that you're just never going to leave them alone. Um, but the thing is, is that the messages that you share, even, even if it's something that they're not going to, you know, they don't want to pursue or anything like that, they're worthwhile sentiments to hear, you know? Um, so, so tell me like, what are your, what are your plans? I mean, you know, sister, I know you guys probably don't want to think about this too much, but what do you, what is your plan when you go back? Other than bring your friend back to church, Sister Nettle. Other than that, like, what are your plans to? What are you, what are your plans to uh, uh, pursue? Yeah, I think mine just is to go go to BYU Idaho and, and start school. And you, and you said you wanted to do something in the medical field, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a, like, do you want to be a doctor or a nurse, or do you have an? You don't have any idea. I was thinking like a surgical tech, but I need to look into it more. But currently, don't have the means to do to do that. Okay, all right. So, uh, w- do they have a surgical tech uh, thing at BYU Idaho? That's that's the part I need to look into. I you guess. need to look into. Yeah, <laughs> you'll get there. You'll get there. Okay. How and how about you? You still doing rocking the EMT situation, Sister Nuttall, or are you gonna do something different? Um, I right now I think I probably would still try and do that, um, but I I do want to continue going to school. I've thought about either BYU Pathways or BYU Idaho as well, um, but it's I haven't decided, and I still have a while to go, so I'm not super <laughs> super yeah. uh, just thinking about it. But um, just EMT probably, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I would recommend just as somebody who did what you're doing, one of the things that I found so interesting was when I got went into man, members' homes, because um, neither one of my parents finished college. So, you know, I, I knew I wanted to go to school. I just didn't really know necessarily what for. And uh, But I always loved going into members' homes. And when the husband or wife said what they were, what they do, 
just kind of picking their brains and what their day was like and how they got there and what they had to do and, and whether they enjoyed it, you know, um, that helped me figure out that, that law school was what I wanted to do. And uh, so, you know, just, yeah, maybe who knows, maybe you'll run into a member who does something really interesting and then you'll like completely change and become something completely different. So, um, so now what, what do you hope, what do you hope happens from here? You're going to be in this area for a little while together. So what do you hope um, happens in your area? Other than like a ton of baptisms, like what, what do you hope? What would you hope from like members of the members of the ward? What would you hope from members of your stake? Um, what are some things that you'd like to see? Um, I think one of the biggest things is just to have more ward activities to invite people to, and to just be able to grow our teaching pool, which is just the people we're teaching. Um, be able to grow that, whether or not anyone is put on date to be baptized, or even if there's, it's a very slow progression with most people, just to grow that like teaching pool and to be able to have activities and just other things to invite them to is like one of the biggest things that really does help. So I think I would just want to see that and start stuff like that. Mm. And what, you have any uh, other thoughts, Sister Taylor? <laughs> no, that, about the same thing. Just, I think the the most important job we have is just to, to share the gospel with other people, whether mm-hmm. it's just to get a little interaction or, or they want to learn more. It's, it's mm-hmm. all good. So if someone is listening to this podcast who is thinking about um, – possibly investigating the church or even maybe not the church, but are searching for something. Um, what would you, you know, what would you say to that person? I think just reach out to the missionaries and, and listen and ask their questions to them. And if they don't answer them the right way or, or maybe not to their liking, there's a lot of resources out there. There's a, the church is on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, and there's even a church website that they can go to to find answers or, or things to help them. And also the scriptures, they're always a good way to find answers. Yeah, you can request a free Book of Mormon if you if you want. Um, if they're always going to be free to anyone who wants one. Awesome. Um, so, okay. Uh, a couple of questions that I ask every person who comes on the podcast. So I'm going to ask you some really, really hard hitting ones. Okay. You ready? All right. So what would you consider at this point would be your greatest success in life? Uh, I think just the fact that I'm still close with my whole family, my siblings mm-hmm. and my parents. I'm still very close to them as I always was. And at least a lot of kids that I know, even like in high school, weren't close with a lot of their siblings or parents. So the fact that I'm still close with my whole family is a huge success in my mind. Yeah. Did your older brother go on a mission? Mm-hmm. 
He did. Okay. So you had that example. Yeah. yeah. And then Sister Taylor, you you had um, some older siblings. Did they go on missions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So how about you, Sister Taylor? What do you what do you find to be your your biggest success so far? I don't know. I think I think just still still building on a testimony, like not giving up and just keeping trying to build testimony mm-hmm. and to help others. Yeah, tell tell me real quick, guys, about that. Like, what, like, what is your testimony about? Um, I think mainly it's just knowing for sure that Holy Father and Jesus Christ are one hundred percent real, and they may not be with us on Earth, but they are real people, and they have bodies, and that the Holy Ghost does comfort and he he does lead us and guide us and that joseph smith is and was a true prophet and everything he suffered for or everything he suffered through and he went through just to bring back the restored gospel um just shows that how true it is and how important it is in our lives how about you sister taylor it's quite similar to, but I think just add on is that, that I know that the, the church can bring so much lasting joy and pure joy that nothing else in the world can. Like there's a lot of things that seem super fun and can bring joy, but the only thing that has brought lasting joy, at least in my life, is through the gospel and living the the principles of it and, and having that knowledge too that have someone to turn to. Father yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So next question is what would you say is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Oh man. Uh, there's been a lot. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. You know what? Here's the reason why I asked this question. Some people might wonder why I asked everybody this question. One, because it's always fun to hear what people what people consider to be failures. Um, I've heard a whole bunch of different things, but failure is where you learn. Like it's okay to fail. In fact, you should fail. If you're not failing, you're not trying. I mean, you know, you, everybody I know, I mean, I failed a ton of times before I got, before I became successful, you know, I mean, you, you, you learn so much about yourself on how you respond to failure and what you learn from that. I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole concept of the atonement and repentance, right? You mess up, you feel terrible, you have to make amends, you get forgiven, you try again. That's how we learn and grow. So that's why I ask, you know, what would you say is your is your biggest failure and how what did, what did you take away from it? Um, I would say for me, uh, especially with my uh, my friend who was going to go on a mission but then decided to leave. Um, when he first told me that he wanted to go on a mission, it was very scary and hard for me because I knew that that would mean I'd be just kind of at home alone, not being able to talk to him for two years. And so I was pretty mad at first and I tried to kind of try to discourage him to not go. And, um, just even a couple days later, I apologized and was like, you should go and it's a good thing. But I 
majorly regretted doing that and now being on a mission realize how important it is and how just amazing it is with all the life skills that you learn and the testimony growth and so if he I try to not think of it like this but I do think that if I did help him and encourage him a little bit more he probably would have gone but Mm -hmm. at the same time agents like he can choose for himself so I know it's not my fault but just something like that I definitely would consider to be my biggest failure Mm -hmm. interesting yeah that's 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 it that's pretty heavy but the thing is, though, is you, you're exactly right. You you can't put that on yourself. You didn't you didn't do that. I mean, did you did you think that like what? I mean, the, think about it. It could have been even worse if he had gone out on a mission and then he learned all this stuff and then left. And it could have even been worse, right? Mm-hmm. So I I would tell you, just in my own experience, not knowing anything about the situation other than what you've told me in this last podcast, I would venture to guess that maybe that all needed to happen to get you out, you know? And so there are no coincidences in the gospel. So how about you, sister Taylor? What's your, what's your big failure? I mean, following that, good luck, <laughs> but you know. Uh, someone told me that you don't fail unless you quit trying. But I think, I think before the mission, I had some, some friends that were members of the church and, They'd say little things about it, but weren't like directly asking questions. But I wish I would have spoke up and told them about it. But I was like too scared to ruin the friendship because I didn't want to force anything on them. But I think mm-hmm. being a missionary has helped me to learn that you don't, you're not forcing it, you're just inviting or sharing something that matters a lot to you. So I wish I would have, would have told them. Do you think that now? being a missionary next time you have that situation you're going to be more apt to to open your mouth a little more and invite a little more yeah for sure yeah so i would just encourage both of you to hang on to that as long as you can because it's very easy it's very easy i remember when i was on my mission looking at members especially towards the end i got a little I got a little cranky towards the end. And, uh, and so at the end, I'd just be like, look at these members who aren't doing their, min- well, it's home teaching back then, but not doing their ministering. They never go on exchanges with us. They never take us, you know, it's like, I'm not going to be that missionary. I'm not going to be that member and all that stuff. And the next thing you know, life gets in the way. And then you're like, oh, I haven't done my ministering in a few months. That's interesting. So hang on to that as long as you, as, as you can. Um, so really quick before before we end, I want to ask, you mentioned at some point you mentioned the the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit and it, it you know, feeling that and it testifying to you and assisting with your testimony. Can you give us a, can you give an experience maybe where you, in your life, where you really felt the influence of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, um, I guess the the biggest time I can remember is um, coming kind of coming back to church after like one or two or three maybe Sundays of not going. Um, I one of my favorite hymns or songs is called "Praise to the Man," and um, during uh, the whole, I uh, just while we were singing and uh, while we were doing the 
opening prayer and all that, I noticed that that was one of the hymns that they were singing. And it was my first time coming back for a couple of Sundays. And so I was like, oh, that's kind of exciting to get to hear that song. Um, and that song is at the end of the, of the Joseph Smith restoration movie. But I, while listening to that song and singing it and hearing um, the line, um, millions shall know Brother Joseph again, and just knowing that that was another way of saying missionaries and missionary work, like you tell others about Joseph Smith, um, that was the first time in a while that I was able to feel the Holy Ghost, and the first time I was able to feel him kind of testifying to me that um, Joseph Smith was a true prophet and that you were where you were supposed to be. And I was kind of just feeling a lot of love and comfort from that. And that's kind of where the home feeling came from. Nice. Nice. How about you, Sister Taylor? Oh, there's been so many times, but I think one of the neatest experiences I had on a mission was actually my first lesson in the mission field. I was on exchanges with a, another sister, but they had been teaching this guy for quite quite a while, I think, and he was like about to like say that he wasn't didn't want to be taught anymore, but he was gonna give him one more chance, and I happened to be there on that last chance. But I don't remember like all what we talked about in the lesson, but I just remember that the spirit was so strong there, and. Like, I only got to say, like, two things because we had someone there that was over-talking us. But but it happened to be that something that uh, that was said that he he had felt the day, a few days before that he had this feeling, and that's why he agreed to meet with the missionaries again. And then someone said something about how they felt at something, and he eventually joined the church just a few weeks after that. And so it was really a neat experience. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Um, so, you know, f- from these experiences, I guess, um, well, we'll just move on and let me ask you about you. Um, I always ask this question at the end, but you guys are, you guys are a lot younger than some of the people you usually talk to, but still. So at some point later on down the road, um, you're going to pass away, right? And you're going to have a funeral and you're going to have the eulogy. What's one thing you hope somebody says in your eulogy? Um, I think for me, um, just to know that I uh, made a difference in someone's life other than just being a missionary, just knowing that I helped change someone's life, even just from a little thing. Um, because I mean, who doesn't want to <laughs> change someone's life for the better? So, yeah. Yeah. I think mine's probably about the same that I hope at least one person for the better. Yeah. Well, I know that, uh, you know, what you're doing, out there on in the mission field, you are changing people's lives for the better. And the thing that I've also learned that you, you're not going to learn, you're not going to know the impact you're going to have on somebody until years and years later. Some people you'll never even know. You'll never even hear about it. Um, I know that there are many, many people in my life 
who had a significant impact and just have no idea. You know, they just have no idea. And, you know, I, I, I don't doubt that there's somebody out there who you've ran into said an encouraging word at a really difficult time, you know? And so uh, I know that's true. So, um, well, I, I thank you for coming on. Thank you for having, uh, you know, having the courage to go out on a mission. That is, it's, it's a hard road. It can be, it's, it is not easy. I don't think people understand how difficult the life of a missionary can be. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of great experiences. There's also a lot of hardship. You guys are rejected probably more than anybody ever. I mean, right? Like you get really used to door slammed in your face, you know? And so, um, so I commend you guys for being willing to go out there and, and do that. And so, um, for those who are listening, I appreciate you, you, you listening, um, subscribe to the podcast. We've got a bunch of fun stuff coming up. I got a gun expert coming on next. Uh, well, a self-defense expert with guns. I'm going to tell you how you can kill somebody without getting in trouble. And then, um, I have a, a bunch of other people coming on. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's great. Uh, again, sisters, I appreciate you, um, very much for the work that you do. And I'm proud of, I get, to, I get a chance to work with you as part of the word mission and you guys are just doing a great job. And, and so keep doing what you're doing. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right. We'll see y'all later.